Is this a woman? Like the articles written about me using he pronouns and calling me a man over and over again. And I, I feel like that should be illegal. I, I don't know. That's, that's just bad journalism. So first of all, the reason people are calling you a man is because you are one. Also, free speech is a very important thing in this country because... Amen. Amen and amen. Okay, so first off, is that a woman? How about uh, that shop teacher? This one. Is that a woman? Let's talk about it as we let your culture stray further every day. Howdy, my name is Jonathan Fialov. On behalf of Further Every Day, here in the producer seat, and we have a packed studio today. Woohoo! Starting off with Mr. Charlie. How are you, sir? I am doing wonderful. A good evening to you. Glad to have you here. Sitting in the chair of theology, sharing it with your lovely wife. How are you, Mr. Let's hope he shares, yes. <laughs> it's going to be a fight for the microphone. Oh, no. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> to their left in the chair of philosophy. We've got uh, Clint. How's it going, bud? Hey, it's going good, man. Going good. Glad to have you there. Now, to his left, we got uh, Melissa. How's it going? Pretty good. Glad to have you there in the chair of culture. And, of course, to her left, we have Steve. Yes, sir. How you doing, Mr. John Arthur? Doing all right. Yourself? Yes, sir. Doing fantastic. Glad to have you there. And to in the chair of politics, and to his left, we got... The Yosh. Yes. Back at it again. How's it going? It's going good. Also, Mr. Charlie, I told my mom about the white elephant gift, and she said that the rules were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the rules were horrible. I would like to say that. That, that, was, that was a fantastic day, and I appreciate the, the fun that, that Josh added to that. It was great. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we digress. But we digress. <laughs> All right. So the question is today, what is biblical femininity? Let's talk about that. What is biblical femininity? So this is the part two. Uh, this is being released after Christmas. So we, if you are watching this in the future, we did drop the Christmas special and we split up the Andrew Tate follow-up. What is masculinity to what is femininity? And I think this is a problem that culture has really gotten skewed because we've absolutely lost sight of what God's definition of femininity is. The culture or the church? Oh, Ooh. absolutely. How about both? Absolutely. And so what I really want to start to do is kind of peel this back. And I want to start at the top because... Theology is followed by philosophy, culture, politics, and economics. And I want to kind of walk down that stream of societal decay today because it's really, it's really important to know how did we get here? And we can go and look at the culture, and we will a little bit, about the critical theory coming out of the Frankfurt School, the German thought, and we're going to talk about that. But I really want to start off with the definition of biblical womanhood, biblical femininity from the source. And there's a few places where we can look at that. But I want to start off with asking the question, why did God design men and women differently? I'm going to throw this to the chair of theology. And I, I think Nikki is an absolute wonderful example of a Proverbs 31 woman. So I'm going to let her run with that in just a moment. But I do want to 
emphasize something that you just brought out, John Arthur, and, and that's this. When God created man and woman, he created two different beings. They have some similarities. But why did he create two different beings? If they are supposed to be quote-unquote equal and exactly the same, then God screwed up in creating one of them. We don't, we don't need both. And I submit to you that God did not screw up. He, he had it perfectly right. And if we would hook into that, I think things would be a lot better. But now I want Nikki to, to share in the Proverbs 31 woman. Well, actually, I was going to start with Genesis when God created a man. And he brought all the animals to him, and he found there wasn't a helpmate uh, for the man. With that, quotes, what yes. th that really means is God created the man with the um, incomplete, with an incompleteness. And then when he created the woman, he said, now she's his help me, but she's his completeness. And if you go to Genesis 1 and 1, when Adam says, she is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So there's the equality part, the equal in value. And how um, her value to him was the same as, as you love your own flesh, you love your wife. So she completes him and he completes her. So that is by design. God designed that. And that's where you need to understand is that um, we just didn't rise up being a woman and being a man. No, it's a compliment. So that, that leads to an interesting question. Why? Why did God design two different creatures to come together in matrimony? Well, what was... What does that replicate? Okay, so what was, what was the command? To go and multiply. So you have a man and you have a woman, and the idea is to come together and multiply. Two men cannot multiply. Two women cannot multiply. And a man and a woman outside of a marriage home does not provide protection for that family. So you understand that it's a very definite role that God has given a man and a woman in a marital situation to procreate with responsibility. And doesn't that also, that marriage, that between man and woman, doesn't that specifically point to Christ and the church? Absolutely does. And so... It, just speak to that for a moment, because if you go to, you know, whether it's Ephesians or whether you go to Proverbs, you see something very, very special with the role of a woman and, and who that is representing and how she is supposed to act and be served as well. We could we could spend the whole podcast just talking about this one vein. And obviously, that's not what we're here to do tonight. But I think your attention or your desire to point attention to Christ in the church is, is really important. It, it really is backed up well when you think about why did God create man? I mean, did he need man? No. But he created man for fellowship. And that's, that's something to take joy in. When man was created... Adam and Eve, sin in the garden. There's separation. God creates 
man creates woman, wanted to have fellowship with them. God cannot exist with sin. It's that's it's just totally opposite of him. So now in a his desire to get man back to him, he provides a redeemer, Jesus Christ. The church, the local New Testament church built on Jesus. Upon this rock I will build my church. And now we see Jesus coming back as the bridegroom for the church, the bride. That's the beauty of it. And what does that say about the value of the woman in that relationship? Hugely important. Yes, I mean, Christ laid down his life for the church. I mean, do we really understand the cross and the sacrifice that was made there? I don't think people do. I think that's why you can compromise the Bible the way that you do is because you don't really understand the cross. That was a major sacrifice for Christ to die on the cross so that the church and those who believe can have eternal life with God himself. That's if you can't if you that doesn't bring awe to your mind, you don't you don't understand. It puts submission in a different light because mm. Christ was fully submitted to God. And in addition to being fully submitted to God, he also expects the church to be fully submitted to him just as he was submitted to God. That's not a place of inferiority. No. It's a place of glory. Yes. In a place of honor. So that's, that, that's part of it. But then we look also at the revelation 1823, 1979. I don't know if you have any of those passages pulled up, but yeah, it, you you do have those handy? I think we do. Very good. I think if you look at the eschatological view of the church, you see something really interesting about how Christ views his coming bride. And I am sorry, John Arthur. I thought I did, but I do not. No I'm worries. Sorry. No worries. Let me pull those up real quick. Let me pull those up real quick. Unless... While, you're, while you're doing that, I think that... The point that Nikki just made regarding people not really understanding the sacrifice that Jesus made, I, I was thinking about something that the Passion of the Christ movie was probably one movie that came closer to helping people understand that sacrifice. I totally agree with her that I, I don't think we really do uh, fully understand that. And I've often wondered what I would have been doing and felt like if I had been watching Jesus go through that day. Um, it, it's something that I, I ponder, especially around Easter. You know, would I, would I have been one of those mocking? Would I have been silent? Would I have been one of those that would have cried out, let him go? Um, there's, I, I don't think that we really understand the depth of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Amen. And that's something that really should be considered when you're looking at the image of the church as the bride in revelation 18, 23, if you're there turn, uh, and it says, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more in all of thee. This is talking about Babylon after the fall. Mm -hmm. For thy merchants were great men of the earth, 
or by thy sorceries were all nations deceived, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all them who were slain upon thee. This is reference to Babylon, mm -hmm. directly connected to not the bride, but the harlot, the one world religion that will develop. And it, it, gets, it gets better. You go to 19, 19, 7 through 9. And uh, you see this right here, where it says, Let us be glad and joyous, give honor to him, Christ, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linens, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of his saints. There's something beautiful in the purity. There's also something not so beautiful in the, in the harlot, which again, you see in Revelation 21, the end result of her. All right, not 21, 18.23, excuse me. In Revelation 21, 2 through 9, and I, I actually want to get Josh in a second on this uh, and kind of open this up to the room to discuss. But in Revelations um, 21, 2 through 9, you see the bride, the new Jerusalem, the people of God brought forth. And I, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for former things are passed away. Man, what does that say about how God views marriage and how, how it relates directly to heaven and to the church? I know you've got to have thoughts on this, Josh. Well, I mean, it's everything. That is the picture of love is Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And, I mean, we see it in Ephesians 5. We see it in... Uh, we see it in countlessly talked about in Paul's letters. And in also, I believe it was, man, I'm blanking now. It was Ephesians 5 and there's another place, 1 Corinthians 7, I believe. Sounds right. Sounds about right. But it, you see it being described as this unconditional love. It's a sacrificial love at that. I was listening to somebody today that was talking about Christ's sacrifice, and they don't believe that it's one of those things where it's substitutionary atonement. And I thought that was unique because the way they said, the way they described it at the very end of describing it, they're like, that doesn't make any sense. And that's precisely the point. It doesn't make any sense. When you think about the substitutionary atonement, that type of love will never make sense to any of us because that love is so foreign to the world. And so... When you think about how we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be faithful. And in the case of the uh, revelation, I mean, you see that what you see that dichotomy played out pretty clearly. You see the harlot and you see the faithful ones. And man, you don't want to be on the side of the harlot. <laughs> well, in in that you see a direct picture of what womanhood should be. Someone who's faithful, who's maintained purity, who's striven to be honorable. Someone is worthy of the calling. By the way, again, we, we talked about men. Men, you're supposed to be like Christ. You're supposed to die. You are supposed to cut off your desires, cut it off, and give, and give everything you have to the woman and to the family and to provide. That's what a man is supposed to be. But, John Arthur, to, to 
understand the difference between <laughs> works, doing that because you're working toward it and doing it because you've understood the love of God and you're committed to it because of that love is so fulfilling and so mind-blowing that you're willing to make those sacrifices for righteousness and for purity is because of love that you have felt from the Lord Most High. Amen. And how could you not try to live up to that as a man and then also as a woman if God designed that role as a mirror image? So that rolls really well over to the chair of philosophy. And I would like to dig into, because I have some questions for you. In the chair of philosophy, if men and women are designed differently, then would it not be, would they not both be suited for different tasks? Does this mean that they're not equal in value? And of course, also, what happens if someone ignores that teleology or that purpose? Oh my goodness, someone's having a, someone's having a coughing yes. thing. You, you okay? Okay. Um, to answer the first question, correct. They are made differently. Um, see, it would really suck if, if everyone had the same job. Like if we were all the, if we we're all construction workers, right? We're building these buildings and everything. We we build a bakery. We build a place for carpentry and all that. It, who's in there? Who's in those places? If we're all construction workers, who's gonna bake the cakes? Who's gonna you know do my finances? Cause I suck at it. You know who's gonna do all these things if we all have the same job? It, With the same skill set. It, it's not gonna work out. It's just. We're, men and women are created to complement each other, right? They're not, we have the same value. The, don't get me wrong. Men aren't above women. In Galatians 23. 123. 23? No, could, uh, Galatians 328. No, let's start at 26. Because it says right here, for ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have been put on Christ. But this is what you have to take away. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. And there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. Man, isn't that true? Isn't God's going to look us all the same, right? Because, you know, sin is sin no matter what it is, right? You can't be like, oh, I, but I never murdered anybody. But you've, you've hated someone to the point you've murdered them in your heart. Sin is sin. Sin is the same everywhere. And to continue what, if we ignore what God has put in our life, right? Because we can ignore that. We can follow the stream and we'll have a fulfilling life, right? But if we take it to the point of right? John 10, 10, I think says it well, for the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come to give him life, to give him more abundantly. Yes, we can come and live in this world. We can be rich, famous, and by the worldly perspective, we've had a fulfilling life. We've, we've had, we have a wonderful life. But in the terms of eternity, what is it to gain the world but to lose your soul? Amen. It, Amen. It's just mind-boggling how I'll rather do the Lord's will and be content and have a fulfilling life as well because following the Lord isn't bad. It's not bad at all. You know, the Lord might, I might never get a family. I'm okay with that. I'm true. My kids are going to be bad because I was bad. 
it's okay. Like I can, I can do whatever I can, you know, be rich and famous, but the Lord wants me to be a small time pastor of a church, never be married and live fulfilling. They're both fulfilling lives. It's just an eternity sense. Which one's going to give you more life to be up on the right seat with God at his feet, learning, teaching, having wonderful food. Cause we all know there's heavenly food up there. Amen. Or being in a very hot place. Like I'm fat. I don't like being hot. And we all know the Lord is going to have perfect temperature up there. You know, that's a given. It, it almost sounds like you're saying that living up to purpose, living up to the reason why you are made a hammer is only happy as a hammer. And if you try to use a hammer as a scalpel, you will never be excellent happy. analogy. Excellent. Absolutely. Because I tried using a hammer as a wrench one time. <laughs> I've used it didn't work real well. Didn't work. I've definitely used wrenches as hammers and uh sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> because we're we're created to be connected with our creator, right? We can that that's that's what we're here for. We're here to have a relationship with Christ. And it's hard to live in a world without a relationship. That's why we're all craving, you know, companionship everywhere. Well, to not have a relationship with Christ is even worse. It's to be lonely your whole life. Because I'm not lonely. I might be single, but I ain't lonely because I know that I'm with Christ. So that's why I can die. I can die fulfilled and be with who? My Lord and Savior. And again, that also comports with what we see in gender roles when you are living according to your god-given gender role not just your gender your gender role okay you see a difference in happiness in fact women's lib as of the second wave of feminism by the way it, you can make an argument one way or the other about first wave feminism being good saying that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle if that's your if that's your movement, by the way, second wave feminism. If that's your movement, can I just suggest that you you have thrown the baby out with the bathwater somewhere? Because and now we see since the seventies, we see the happiness of women having gone down. Again, uh, link in the description below. This is from Box, but you see from nineteen seventy to two thousand five, the red line being female happiness. Ever since the women's lib of the 1970s and the no-fault divorce law. That's what that spike is in male happiness and that long decline of female happiness comes after the home is broken. Put that back up there for just a moment, John Arthur. Yeah. So where's where's the, uh, the top there? I can't quite 1970. see. 1970. 1970. No-fault divorce. And we have gone all the way the decline end a little bit for the, the female side that's what it, it dumps right around 1995 25 years of just total moving down in happiness and and i submit to you the line going up right now is not going to continue going up no it's probably going to be it, a it's going to drop some more yes and it's just a moment of catching your breath, if you will. Now, just to fully quote Vox here, 
they also include this. They say that enlightenment is the reason why women aren't happy, because you see the increase of female college degrees, of master's degrees. Well, I'm just going to say something. That is the biggest freaking cop-out, because you've got to realize something. There is a chemical bond that is made for men and for women when two become one. Women feel it more than men. It is a stronger connection for women. The best thing about women's lib for men was that women started acting like men. A man's default is yes when it comes to sex. Okay? By the way, we're talking about this. If you have kids in the room, be advised. A man's default is yes, please. Let's go. A woman's default traditionally has always been, wait a minute. Are you going to take care of me? Are you a man or are you a boy? They want security. And what happens when we tell women that they should act like men? Mm. Mm. What happens to female happiness? And I want to go to the chair of culture. I want to go to the chair of culture here. Because when society loses that idea of who men and women are, men being the provider, the woman being the support, the one who makes everything happen, the one who builds the home, the one who creates the stability for a family to thrive. When we lose that, what ultimately happens to the women in that culture? How does that damage the structure of the family? And of course, what happens when we seed we plant the seeds of jealousy considering concerning uh, gender roles, like we've seen today. What happens in society when, when we lose sight of the above tenants is that it collapses. Because honestly, we're seeing these men that are, I'm going to say, posers. To feminine. Women. Yeah. And they have this cartoonish idea of what we are. And they think it's, oh, I'm going to buy some women's products and I'm going to be sitting in the bathroom stall waiting just for that moment of somebody needing something and I am there. And yes, I'm throwing... Tampon. Yes. <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney with tampons, if you don't know. And I will throw a lot of shade to Dylan because it is such a joke what he is making us out to be. And you have, like, these guys that are, you know... And I can't remember the guy's name, but the, he just got busted for stealing luggage. Uh, Tim, Tim uh, Dalton, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... So what they do is like they, because they can't make it as a man. a man, they'll do it as a woman. Because it's so easy. Yeah. And, and then they'll do it under the guise of diversity and inclusion. So because I'm a woman, you have to hire me because I'm a transgender. You have to hire me. And so you get all these fake people into these roles that they do not belong in. So things start collapsing. And, and I think you kind of mentioned something about, um, Back in history when, like, World War One, World War Two, when all these men were going off into battle, and women had to step into that role of support. And we had to, you know, make the goods and do all the stuff that the men were doing just in order to survive in society. But it's so frustrating to me is that we worked so hard for this. And the women's right movements, they're, where are the angry women? Yeah, that's 
Well, what you see is something where men have co-opted the space because, again, you have, you have this jealousy of roles. You have this jealousy of roles, and you have that with women, too, where women want to be men. Men want to be women. Women want to be men. And what you miss is the beauty of being who God made you to be. And so, I, by the way, I just want to ask the two women in here, Dylan Mulvaney, if you don't remember this, Dylan Mulvaney, I, I wish I had the clip handy, but again, I'm producing and hosting, so I apologize. Uh, he started buying tampons so that he could hand them under the stall to the woman in the next stall who eventually must certainly be crying out, I forgot my tampons. Will someone please give me my tampons? Is that is that a real thing? No. We can buy them for like five cents. Like, I'm, I'm 57 years old. That has never happened in the bathroom. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, it's not. You have vending machines? Joel, we have we have vending machines, but they they put out something for when you don't want to have babies. Yeah. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So I'm, we have them too. They do exist in some bathrooms. Uh, unfortunately, well, leave that as it may be. Oh, they bring out. I thought they were like talking about like men's or something. <laughs> but it's a very eye-opening podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> 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 women's rights. Oh my gosh. There's tampons in the rest of You've lost control, John Arthur. Yes, <laughs> bad, we, we absolutely have. Maybe we need to talk control. to his dad. We need to we need to we need to fix this a little I'll bit. I'll go talk to my dad. So so uh Josh, you saying you you motioning or are you just fixing no. your hair over there? <laughs> He's, he's going, this is we, too we much really for lost me. <laughs> We've lost track here. I'm we sorry, are I'm fully. Sorry. But you know, to the, to the point that you've been bringing out here, John Arthur, and I, I think this podcast is really, it's doing a, a great job of this. There are differences and those differences are good. Glorious. Don't try to be something that you are not. And, and I love the analogy that you used a little earlier. Uh, you can't use a hammer as a scalpel. And can we also say you can't use a scalpel as a hammer? Be content with what God has made you to be and move forward with that. And that goes back to the joy that, that Joel was talking about a moment ago. You can live such joyous and satisfactorily if you'll do just that amen john arthur you heard yeah. about this <clears throat> new transgender uh hockey league the nhl yes is promoting y'all heard about that mm. you have men. what happened in the first game immediately broke a woman destroyed destroyed her in destroyed. the hospital man so Boom. here's the thing here's the thing about about Women doing things that men do in the military. I don't have the stats handy, but you have a it's not just statistically significant. You have women in police and military roles in active duty, hand to hand roles or in jumping out of planes. You have discharge. It's 40 to 60 percent higher discharge from fractured bones. You have a 40 to 60 percent increase in um torn ligaments you have women are not 
the same as men. By the way, men, I'm, I'm, before you get mad at me, I'd have one heck of a time having a baby. And I wouldn't want to because that's not what I'm made to do. Amen. I suppose if I had a uterus, I would be happy to do that. But I am a man. I am a man. God made me that. I'm happy enough. Clinton's just cracking up over there. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. As, as a wrestler, um, you can see that difference very clearly because in a hand-to-hand -hand combat sport, you can see it very clearly. When coach would pair me up with females that needed to practice moves and we had to take a four-point stand on the ground and they would have to work to bring me down, I would just sit there and they would struggle with zero resistance and they would struggle. Not because I'm fat, but because... I'm built. I've been doing construction since I was little, so I've been carrying boxes of tire. I'm just a big boy. How much right? do you weigh? Right now? Yeah. I weigh 265 pounds at the moment. How much is muscle? I have a 35% per, uh, body fat. So, so which is, solid. by the way, pretty, pretty good for someone who is a competitive wrestler. So, I mean, you got to understand that this man was a state runner-up. So, right. so... Him fighting against a girl, by the way, a girl, say, in a girl's sport, that's where you have the 150th male in the state league all of a sudden becoming the uncontested first Sorry. in women's sports. That doesn't work. Yeah. Females one. wrestle very differently than males. If you watch the difference, males have, they're so, man, male wrestlers are angry at each other, not even knowing. Like, it's, it's weird. But at the end, we're Savage. best buds. Right. Females, they wrestle, they hardly, they're, they're scared, they're timid, they're scared to go for the takedown, they're scared to put each other in pins, and at the end, whoever wins or loses, they're both crying. I don't know what happened, but they're both crying. <laughs> it, 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 the, the best female wrestlers are the ones that wrestle like men, and they're scary. Comments. They're scary. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. But their Women body, that, that, their body that, makeups are different. Mm -hmm. it, well, it's just a fact. And, well, yeah, their and and their their body shape is a little bit different, also, and their their no attitude kidding. towards uh, that type of physical stuff is a little bit different, also. Make sure uh, you lean in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know their body makeup, their physical build, their their mental attitude. Uh, when it gets into something like that is is a lot different now uh, you know a lot of times you can put muscle on women to change that but as far as mental goes you can change the mental attitude of a woman from timid to fierce to scary and but, and I've, I've seen it happen in in teaching martial arts classes with women teaching self-defense classes I've, I've had women come in and then after six months, scary. That's they, not in doubt. They, they <laughs> lose something, doubt. though. When you do that, they lose something. They lose the tenderness of a female. So did you, I don't know. So did you ever watch The Terminator 2? Yeah. So one of the, one of the best so. things about that movie is you, you want to talk about female action stars. Sorry, Jennifer Lawrence, you weren't the first. Hate to break it to you, sweetie. But... <laughs> You've got Terminator 2. One of the best things about that movie is that you have a fierce woman who is protecting her child. And that's why she is fierce. That's why she wins, too. And not because she's stronger than the man. It's because she uses an equalizer. And she blows him to kingdom come. 
and you know that that is a good representation but our culture has lost that and i i i want to just kind of circle back to that before we get done do a basaki here and circle back to the um may she rest in pieces uh anyway i want to get back to the gender roles issue we see this jealousy that's been seeded and it, it really comes out of critical theory and we've done a podcast on that by the way you want to go back and look at that i think it's episode 37 or, or so what where did critical theory come from, from Frankfurt? Uh, it was the same ideology that's that brought forth the eugenics movements in America and in Europe. By the way, the same movement is the same left in America that pushed for the eradication of the Jews and the blacks that Hitler said was his Bible. And same with Goebbels and Goering, et cetera, the same people. So, but those people had this really sick ideology that men could be women and women could be men. So when you see that jealousy between the sexes, not only do you see people come into the space, but what happens to the joy of that relationship that is supposed to mimic God and man? There is no joy. I mean, and, and I guess it's one of those, like, maybe because I don't subscribe to that whole attitude, but I've never been jealous of a man. I'm like, I'm putting myself through... My master's. I'm putting myself to my doctorate, you know, next year. So there's, if I ever have a chance to be blessed with a family, I'm setting myself up to be able to provide, to be a teammate for my future husband, to complement, you know, each other. And so, you know, probably the only time I've ever been jealous of a man is heavy leg day and I have to sit on a toilet instead of peeing standing up. That's like the only time I've ever been there You're probably not alone in that. Yeah, yeah. There, there is some convenience in that, isn't there? Yeah, a little bit. But this one is, I just don't understand. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I just don't understand like, why, why it would be. Yeah. Well, that's something that I think you're looking at it from the right perspective. But when you start to have this dysmorphic, dysphoric mindset that sets in because the culture tells you what you have is not enough. Yea, hath God said that you should not eat of any tree in the garden. Oh, wow. oh not, 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 not any tree, just this one. Oh, well, God's lying to you about that one. You won't die. You're going to want it more. You, you're <laughs> going to want it more. Mm -hmm. And that's what mm -hmm. you see in the culture. It used to be that gender dysphoria was strictly an issue of abuse almost exclusively, 80 to 90%. But in the last decade, we've seen the onset of rapid onset gender dysphoria. And that culture comes about when you have so polluted the hearts and the minds of people that what you have is not good enough. What God gave you is not good enough. And so let's trade it for a lesser thing. Let's trade it for a thing that will never be. You, there are, there are two women in here that will never be a man. I hate to break it to you, ladies. And there's five guys in here plus Ryan over there who will never be a woman. Amen. Yes, thank you. I hate but to break it to you guys. Who who wants to be a man? Um, there's a book called The Self-Made Man, which this female writer for the gays and lesbians went out 18 months to become a man. She fully did it. Not, she didn't get a, you know. She didn't get the extra appendage, but she f assumed the role perfectly. The mistreatment 
the the emotional trauma. She committed suicide because it was so hard for her to be a man because how the way females treated her and how the stresses and how all the the just the toll of being a man was on her. We don't notice it because we've done it our whole lives. But honestly, who wants to be a man? But you know what, John? That's an excellent point to bring out right there because what are we seeing with the the gender issues of today? We we are seeing more and more suicide uh, being committed, and the rates are going up. We've got young people and, and, and adults trying to speak out, saying, Guys, don't go through this, and that is trying to be suppressed by the media. Folks, let me tell you, this issue of gender transition is one of the most dangerous, and and I submit to you, uh, one of the most uh, slimy uses, tactics by Satan to take people away. Yes. It it, it is full-on. For Satan, and that is one of the tactics that he is using, and it's quiet, it's behind the scenes. So, what you're seeing is not only culturally institutionalized, but it's also becoming politically institutionalized. And that brings us to the chair of politics. And I want to get you on that. You don't have to be that close, you just have to have it close. Oh, okay. To you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay, move it over there just a little bit. There, there we there. go. There we go. Good. Okay. Good. But, uh, the government has institutionalized the breakdown of the nuclear family, of gender roles. They've mm-hmm. gone after, and by the way, again, if you want to know where the systemic discrimination is in the United States, it is the welfare system. Yes. It has specifically oh. gone after black and brown families. But let's take it a step further. The government absolutely wants <laughs> Clint. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just pumping, pumping the hands over there. The government has gone after the nuclear family, but also we we see them attacking gender roles. What happens when we break down the nuclear family, when we strip women of their rights, excuse me, not their rights, their identities in exchange for what appears to be rights? What does the government gain by that? Well, the government gains control. Government gains control of the family. The government gains control of your finances. The government gains control of your children in school, what they do after school, what they do everywhere, online, social media. I mean, think about it. I mean, how much is the government involved in all of the social media that goes on right now? Every single bit of it and every single bit of it is indoctrination for the children. What was it? Who was it? Stalin or Lenin said, what's the best way to change society is to go after the children? And that's 100% true. And, and that's what, where you start is the children. You start with the kids. And then where you see it go is government becomes daddy. Right. And when you destroy that and take that out of the family, that's when the government is able to take control and the family goes down the toilet. And what's replaced is a one for all, all for one, but not in a camaraderie standpoint to each their needs, to each what is required, a communistic structure. And, And like Charlie had said, 
government's not going to take it away. Why? What happens? Revolt. People will revolt. No matter what it is you've been giving them, if you've been giving it to them for years, they're not going to want it taken away. And I... <laughs> You're not taking my money, man. Hey, exactly. you better give me my money. I, I got stuff I got to pay for. And I've come man. to rely on that. And so of my kids and everyone is now used to welfare. That's why you see the girl boss culture being pushed where I have no problem with strong women. My mom has been in a lot of ways, the sole provider for my family for years off and on because of my dad's physical illness. Okay. I have no problem with a strong woman. I think it's a, wonderful thing but you've got to remember also that the government has another interest in this and i want to go to the chair of economics when you had women's lib what happened to the tax pool what happened to the tax pool did it double what other incentives are here i mean you see the promise of more income as well and what does this lead to a more consumeristic or opportunity for the more consumeristic vices. Do we not? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> There's already a lot of things in women's healthcare that are pretty expensive as is, uh, and that are such as tampons and other items. I'm sorry, but this is, but this, is <laughs> this is just a fact. Yeah. But so you see all the, the things that you mentioned, um, taxes, the, goods the just the just the average way of living goes up and so you see all these different economic negatives but another thing i wanted to mention sorry i, I i've stayed quiet a lot of the podcast but there's a, there's a lot yes. of things i wanted to talk about uh when we were talking from the theological i'm sorry if i'm Go but for it. Go for it. I want to talk about like when we were going to the theological chair. I think a very important thing to talk about is egalitarianism versus complementarianism. Yes. I wanted to wrap with that. Go okay. for it now. Okay, cool. Go for it. So this is so what when you see this in the world and you say, Well, that's just the world. No, it's not. You see it in the church too. Yes. And you see it with people who believe in egalitarianism. Now, a lot of them will try to justify it biblically with certain verses. But what you'll find from the people who try to provide scholarship to support it, define a lot the of them, please huh? define define the difference between complementarianism and egalitarianism. Oh, I'm going to get short. there. So, but what you and I'll, I'm just going to talk about this real quick. But I'm going to cool. get to it. So, with the egalitarianism, they believe that there is no role differences, and that men and women can do each other's roles, essentially at its bare bones. And certain people, like I said, pastors and churchgoers believe in that. And they're, they write scholarship based upon it. But I ask you to look at what else these people who write these scholarships or these scholarly articles believe. A lot of them believe in a lot of pro other progressive theology and doctrine that is not rooted in the Bible. Now, mind you, they're trying to make a case from the Bible, but just look at what everything else they talk about as well. It's, it doesn't really line up. As whereas when you have complementarianism, that is, we believe that each other has a role and it's complementary to one another. And we've used that word 
ad nauseum in this podcast, the complimentary word. And that's what I think you see supported in scripture. And this is a spiritual warfare. This is not a, just a worldly thing. This is something that is infiltrating the church. And it's very important that the church stays on guard against it and speaks out against it. Because if we don't, it's only going to get worse. Only going to get worse. I like this excerpt from, I was watching this Johnny Carson episode where he was interviewing Carol Wayne. I think it was 1967. And Carol Wayne said something to the degree of, I think girls just need to be girls and boys need to be boys. Mm-hmm. And this was back in 1967. What a thought. And I know. What a thought. But 1967 was the introduction of a lot of different movements in, in women's rights. Including no-fault divorce in 1969. And Johnny Carson was just nodding in agreement. He was... They were all on board. So I imagine that if Johnny Carson and this lady were saying this, this was a very popular thought in 1967, which means that nobody agreed to this, which means that ultimately what was getting passed down was what we see in today's politics even, is that they really don't have the best interest of the constituents in mind. Uh, I mean, you see this new omnibus bill, this $1.7 trillion, uh, 4,155 pages gets introduced at 1.30 a.m. And they say that you have 72 hours to vote on it. <laughs> Come on, man. And we have to vote it, yes. And there, and, there, and there are certain Republicans who say it's a good thing. And 10, 10 to 20, or I don't know what the number was, but it was like 10 to 20 Republicans say it's a good thing. And they're like, oh, it's good. We get $45 million in military spending. But we're also taking $9 billion in earmarks. <laughs> $1.9 Terrible. So, point being, there's a lot of special interest money. Sorry, guys. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of special interest money in politics. Yes. And I think when you look back to the 1960s and you look back to some of the origins of this, I do believe there's ulterior motives to it has to be ulterior motives because it most certainly wasn't a constituent led belief that men should become women and women should become uh, men. Let me, let me throw something out here. Let me put on the tinfoil hat for a moment. Since the 19-teens, we've seen something interesting happen. The nuclear family no longer stays together the way it used to. Parents used to be brought into the home of one of the children. Did they go to retirement homes? No. They were, unless they were ill, they were kept with the children. Then, in addition to the retirement homes, we had the new education system, led by, by the way, the Dewey Decimal System. By the way, one of the most godless men to, 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 to ever live. Amen. Evil person. And the and Dewey also, Decimal System what, sucks. What kind of sociopath? What kind of sociopath invents a book categorization system that looks like the Dewey Decimal System? I just, hey, I. Dewey it, was my buddy. No. <laughs> no. Come on. no, I'm sorry. Dang, I make sure you can I, speak to. I didn't know I was sitting next to Kanye West. I apologize. <laughs> like Kanye West. So, in addition to breaking down the family structure and setting up a new school system, and by the way, those Dewey was very much an aficionado of German thought. I'm not ragging on the Germans, just on the Holocaust crap that they pulled, you know, in the early, mid-1920s. 
you know, hundreds, just saying, as someone who has a little bit of German in the back there, okay? Liberators, by the way, not that kind. We were the handsome uh, 70s mustache coming in and saving the day. But you have, in addition to the breakdown of the older family structure, you now have a system that separates grades by age. So you've separated intergenerational wisdom in between grades. It used to be the schoolhouses were one block, one mass. Let's carry it a step further. In addition to separating children away from the parents at an early age, women's lib has also taken women completely out of the home. No problem with a woman working outside the home. Like I've said, no problem. I think it's great. Awesome. But when you have two parents out of the home, who raises the kids? The state. Yep. The state. Someone else. In this case, Papa government. Papa government. So if you want to understand why someone might be incentivized economically to push for women being in the marketplace, do you realize how much money is spent every year on getting women into STEM fields and out of the house? Being a housewife is not a bad thing. We talked about this last, last podcast. What's wrong with being a housewife? You know, Miss Nikki, you have a lot to say on that. What, to, to, to women who say that there's something wrong or subservient about working at home, what do you have to say to them? What would be some words you'd give them? Well, I, I was homeschooled five kids in 24 years, and I was investing in the future of my children, and I was investing in the future of my family. So is it, it's not always glorious. I mean, if you got a, a sick child who's uh, running around and, and being naughty, and you might have three or four of them, and you might have to go get some cotton balls and stick them in your ear to get rid of the noise. But... At the end, it's very rewarding. It's, it's, when they're little, it's a lot of work, and it can be very tedious, and it's, it's repetitive day in and day out. But I always had the vision of, of my children um, at an older age. And I think, I think I've accomplished a lot because with all five of my children being adults, I have a, we both have a very good relationship with, with all of them. So that's the rewarding part. So... And that's something that I think gets overlooked, that somehow doing that is morally deficient, that somehow taking care of your children, raising them God's way, instead of giving them to the state to be raised as the state would do it. But Jonathan, this goes back to what we were talking about in Genesis, when God said, go, go forth and multiply. When you're having children and raising children, it's unto the Lord. But if you see it as tedious and uninspirational and just not very rewarding, it's you have the wrong biblical mindset. You have a you have a worldly mindset. The world says you won't be satisfied unless you're out there with a career. So I just want to get everyone's thoughts walking around the room to wrap it up because I, I think you, you basically just tied it up in a bow is that that's the heart of it. It's a discontentment with God's order. And by the way, 
discontentment with God's order, that is okay. It is okay to look at God and say, why? In fact, you should ask him. You should ask him to show you why you are in the position you are, whether it's you're a man or whether it's you are you're a woman or you are in the situation at work. You should ask God why. Believe me, if you ask sincerely, you will get an answer and you will find peace that is otherwise unable to be had. So I want to go around the room just to wrap up the evening, tied up in a bow, starting with Mr. Pomeroy, and we'll work our way around. Just wrapping up, biblical femininity. What's the culture missing? And how do we model that? Well, the church needs to model it and by doing what's right. And I think the points that were brought up earlier um, were, were well made. You know, we see roles trying to be reversed in the church. We, we see uh, what Josh talked about, the egalitarianism in the church. A pastor and his wife, co-pastors. Mm, there's just something that doesn't ring well with that. So I think that's a point that, that Josh really made well. To model it, we need to start in the church first. Amen. That's that's where it needs to start. And it starts with just being content with who God made us to be. We are different for a purpose. If we didn't have differences, there would be no need for us. Amen. Miss Nikki. Well, I think it would it does start in the church. The church is the voice. And I think what we need to do is put more emphasis on the importance of family and the importance of each person's role and to understand that each role has high value in the eyes of God. Amen. Clint. Well, I think it's very important that we all just understand that it's it's a problem because so I think some people are just ignorant to it now that, oh, they're they're going to do their thing. We'll do our thing. No, no, it's not. Because what bothers me the most is that they want to be independent and accepting, but they don't want to take anything, right? That, oh, leave your, leave your religion over there. Then stop opposing your crap on me. I, I hate that. Like, the double standards. Oh, it, I want to impose all my stuff on you. Well, let's talk about Christ. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. No, 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 no. So what you're saying is, is... Gender roles aren't necessarily mutually a religious thing. It's something that you have chosen or decided based on your philosophy, on your theology, what you ultimately believe about God. And that somehow a biblical worldview is different than an atheistic worldview. You got to warn me before you do that. <laughs> it's different before an atheistic worldview. Um, it's just not a Christian worldview is no different than an atheistic worldview in that it's a religious belief. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Cause if you look back in the nuclear family, back in, you know, the olden days, the old good old days, the family, everyone had their role and it, it was smooth, right? You know why they're attacking the nuclear families now? Because a family that's in Christ, generations of people follow that. 
right? If it's done properly, generations of Christians grow up to be like that. But if you if you break that away, if you break the nuclear family and stop and forbid kids from learning from their parents, that's a generation gone. That's what Satan wants. He wants to destroy the world one person at a time. And one institution at a time. Melissa. I would just say, be careful. Um, Not every woman, not every family has that opportunity for the woman to stay at home, raising the kids, doing all that stuff. It's not, it doesn't work for some people just with finances and living expenses and things like that. But if you are going to put your kids away from the home Know, know who you're entrusting that care to. So you're not, you know, letting big government, you know, pretty much educate the kids the way they think so. Be involved, you know, know what you're getting into. And when things go bad, feel free to, you know, come in and make a scene and stop it. Absolutely. Let me just support Melissa on that because that's the Proverbs 31 woman. She was not just, she was a woman who brought in income yeah, her house was in complete order. If you study the Proverbs 31 woman. Amen. And that's something that I think people really get wrong is that we complain about, quote unquote, indoctrination. Guess what? Indoctrination means to raise up in a belief system. If you send them to school, whether it's a Christian school, whether it's an atheist school or a secular, there's no difference. You will send them to get teaching, doctrine. They will be indoctrinated. That is the natural course of things. We as Christians, by the way, just going to say the quiet pile loud. Uh, those of you, it, for the censors on YouTube, yes, we are coming for your kids. And we absolutely want them. We're coming for, Je- coming for them with Jesus. And if you want to whine and you want to cry about it, guess what? You've done it to us. I have no problem indoctrinating them into good works and good righteousness. Just saying, Christians, stop pussyfooting around. Sorry, just stop it. Come out and do what you're called to do. Anyway, sorry. Amen. Uh, Moving over to Steve. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, one thing as far as politically goes... I think feminism or basically the first wave of the women's lib and feminism has completely failed women. Completely. They've let women down. Their movement started off with the way they wanted women to do. And then now look at the way. I need you to lead to the mic. The way they look at women and the way they have this outlook on women. Here we watched this Mulvaney Mulvaney person here. They've got this as a representative of a woman. And then this other guy stealing luggage as a representative of a woman and transgender uh, NHL players playing hockey as representatives of women and all of these others representing women and going into... I mean, it's it's one thing to go into a a bathroom and as boys or men or teenagers and say you're being a woman and say I, you need to talk to me and treat me like one. I mean, really? 
And that's how they expect women to be. Like, a man doesn't know what a woman is. A woman doesn't know what a man is. They don't know how to, to be each other. And the church also needs to talk about these things. I think that's one, one place where the church has fallen down on these issues. And to welcome these people into the church and get them in and to explain these sorts of things and talk about Jesus Christ to them. Amen. And the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. So that's something that the church has been remiss in for a long time. And it's that 501c3 garbage. Right. And again, if, if I could do one thing, if I could do one thing in the hope of igniting revival, I would take away 501c3 status. <laughs> okay. Or I would amend it. Because guess what? LBJ instituted that years ago specifically to muzzle the church when he was going after black and brown families. When they lost the civil rights movement, they immediately went after black and brown families saying, ma'am, you can ditch the husband and marry daddy government, but the church can't talk about it if they want to keep their 501c3 money. And it's been very effective. So amen, amen, Mr. Steve, you're 100% correct. We right. need to start speaking about it from the pulpit and if you want to understand where you want to understand where this country came from, you got to understand the Battle of Concord, the first battle of the revolution, who were the majority of those men who died? Who were they? They were the parishioners. Do you know who their sergeant was? Their pastor. I'm not calling to violence. I'm not calling to arms, but I'm saying, guys, this is some weak but Christianity I see out there. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. I'm, 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 I'm trying to be nice here. It is weak, limp-wristed Christianity that we see out there. Men are longer men. And by the way, women, you could be a little bit stronger too when it comes to taking care of your kids and saying, no, I'm going to Sarah Connor your butt if you come for my kid. Okay? You know, that is okay. You know, that's one, one, one place where I see women turn the most fierce is when their kids are on is line. when their kids are online and you will see it the same way with animals they will run and do and run from everything flight but when something attacks their 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 baby buddy i'll tell you what the fight is on that's a natural affection yeah we go to the chair of economics josh your parting thoughts Parting thoughts, going to the 501c3, great, great idea there. I, I think pastors just need to talk the talk and just risk it, risk it for the biscuit. Risk I mean, biscuits. <laughs> I mean, I don't get, what's the worst they're going to do? They're just going to come in and take it away. I mean, it. like, what's, why not just talk about, I mean, pastor, you saw what happened with Pastor Ed Young. I don't know if you saw that. Second Baptist yeah. Church of Houston. They tried to come for his 501c3 status. Or people try to make outrage questioning does this violate his 501c3 status yes. like the gospel can be contained by a 501c3 you status you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to shut him up no no and that's and that's what i'm saying is that people just need to because i don't know people just need to talk about what's right and talk about what's wrong and just you don't care about the repercussions worry about amen. those later amen <laughs> and amen <laughs> So that sounds reckless, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So here's here's the thing. When it comes to living 
the role that God has dealt you. Understand that there is glory, there is purpose. And by the way, someone who struggled with this a little bit as a kid, someone who had people say, you know, you're a man, you'll never be able to marry and have a woman who wants you. You're always going to be a problem. It's what the culture tells us men, right? It says that men cannot, a new graphic, okay, three, two, one, guys can't have sex because it's always an imposition on the woman. It's always an evil thing. It's always an abuse. Guys hear that. And we get that from a very young age. We hear that there's no possible way to be a man either because you'll always oppress the woman. You'll always, you don't think that that isn't partially responsible for gender dysphoria, that you hear people say stuff like that. You don't think that affects young men and conversely women, women, you know, where, where you hear, if you want to have kids, if you want to play with a Barbie, no, 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 no. We need to get you a science kit. We need to get you a business suit. We need to get you, you don't think that doesn't affect little girls. If you're living in this culture, understand that God built you a certain way for a certain purpose for a time such as this. And he has a beautiful plan for you. It is something beautiful. It may not be easy. It may not be luxurious. It may not be the most pleasant thing, but I promise you this. It is beautiful because God designed it for you. And there is nothing in this world that can take that from you other than you. The way that you find that is a closeness with Christ. I would urge you, man or woman, whether it's your gender role, whether it's your occupation, whether it's your familial role, seek God and you will find your joy. With that said, if you enjoyed this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you guys for 140,000 downloads on the podcast. As far as the YouTube is concerned, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I think we might be getting, you know, comments are being deleted, all sorts of shenanigans. We were getting, man, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 views. I think video. they're messing with us, man. I think they the are. We World Economic Forum, and they said, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The World Economic <laughs> Forum said no. So, with that said, more than ever, if you're on YouTube, like, comment, share, subscribe. Rumble, we see you, those 60-some-odd going-up subscribers. Thank you. Thank Whoa, you. We do yeah. see you. Glad to have you on. Uh, and if you dislike this button, or if you are the YouTube overlord who's been deleting stuff, smash that dislike button twice. Love y'all. Bye. 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 Okay. If you are still here, you are a super listener, or we did in fact put you to sleep. Uh, boo. Hopefully you're awake now. Going around the room, what is your favorite lie, or rather your least favorite lie that has been told by the culture about gender roles. What sticks out as the most heinous, egregious thing that the culture has said about being either a man or a woman? You can't have joy in being a housewife. Mm. Mine would say that uh, if you don't go to college, you don't really have, your life has no value. College or a degree. Mm -hmm. I heard that one. Yep. My sister held that belief. Well, she didn't hold that, but she didn't explicitly. She didn't explicitly hold that belief, but she definitely. That's how drank the sauce. Drank the sauce. Clint, that you can't be content if you don't have everything. Mm. Mm. 
as a man, there's a lot of burden mm-hmm. to yeah. be a provider. Oh, amen. That the man owns you. Oh, oh, indeed. She did not go there. Oh, oh I just went there. All right, lean in there. Lean well, in. Um, let's see. One that I'd heard a lot was is that um, in order to go someplace in life, you got to have an education, and that a man's got to have a job so he can supply everything that the family needs. Everything. Amen. Not true. That gender is the only thing that matters and that sex does not matter. Wow. No. Mm. I'd have to say, again, just to reiterate my point earlier, that somehow, because you're a man, you're in imposition on the woman, that you are somehow the problem. That men are the problem. White men, especially white cis men, are the problem. Guess mm-hmm. what? There's more slavery in this world today than there ever there has ever been. has been. Yes, and sir. There's more, and I'm sorry, white cis men have done a lot of it. Right now, they're not the majority of those doing it. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying men and women are inherently evil, only redeemed by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. I take my peace in that. You can too. With that said, love you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Call me toxic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>